Well, good morning, church. I know what you're thinking. Would somebody please buy that poor guy some milk, right? Because we've seen it every week. So we're glad you're here this morning. Today, we're going to continue in our series called The Struggle is Real. And hopefully, as we've gone through the series, one thing that you at least come to and admit is that we all agree we all have struggles, don't we? We all have struggles. We all go through those, and all of them are difficult. I mean, we don't want to minimize any of those struggles. What we go through is difficult, but the reality is there's one struggle that's greater than all of them, and that's our struggle with sin. And so we've been jumping into Romans 6, 7, and 8, and we're kind of in the heart of chapter 8 now. But what we've discovered is that the Apostle Paul knows us to the church of Rome, and so he reminds them of several things. He says, listen, if you were a follower of Jesus, he gives two categories. He says you're either in Christ following Jesus, or you're in the flesh, meaning you don't know Christ. And he uses that expression over and over and over again, these three chapters. He's like, either you're in Christ or you're in the flesh. But he tells them in chapter 6, if you're in Christ, you are dead to sin, and you are alive in Christ. In other words, dead, our sin has no longer has control, authority, or shouldn't have any influence in your life anymore because you're alive in Christ. That's really good news, right? It's a good reminder for us. But then he goes on to say, listen, no, is that true, but you are no longer under the law. You're under grace if you're in Christ, meaning you're no longer under this notion, I have to perform to be accepted All you have to do is to receive the undeserved favor that God is already offering you. And then I love what Paul did in chapter 7. He kind of was very transparent with us. He reminded us and let us know that even for for those of us that are in Christ, that know Jesus is our Savior, sometimes we still struggle being of the flesh, right? In Christ, I'm a Christian but I still fight those fleshly tendencies. And even Paul himself said, why do I do the very things I do? Even the apostle Paul, I mean, if there's anybody that is strong in their faith, it was Paul. But even he looked at his life going, you know what? I'm in Christ, but I still am harassed by that flesh. And as we live our life, I hope we're reminded by Paul is that we need to live our life realizing we're always going to be harassed by the flesh, those fleshly tendencies. But the reality is we are now in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us, and we need to live our life depending, leaning, trusting Him. And the church should say amen to that one, right? And then last week, Paul does something really fascinating as he starts chapter 8. It's almost like he knows he's got those in the church of Rome that are in Christ, those in the church of Rome who call themselves a Christian, but they're really in the flesh, they're not saved, and then he kind of calls them to, it's time for you to define the relationship. It's time for you to determine for sure, are you in Christ? Are you in the flesh? And one of the tools he uses is this whole mindset. He says, the mindset of those who are in the flesh looks like this. The mindset of those who are in Christ looks like this. His point was, your mindset, how you approach life, your worldview is a great indicator whether you're in Christ or you're in the flesh. But then he says, oh, by the way, if you're in Christ, let me give you the best news you're ever going to hear. You ready? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Meaning that if you're in Christ, you will never face a sentence or one punishment for the sin that Jesus paid for you because you are completely forgiven. Amen? That's good news. Amen? That's good news. And so then he kind of moves on today and we continue. And what we see today is for those that are in Christ, we see Paul kind of lay out really three truths about being in Christ. Three things that you and I need to know about being in Christ. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 8 is where I'm going to be this morning, and I'm going to start reading in verse 12. And if you don't mind, would you stand with me in honor of reading God's Word? It says this in chapter 8, verse 12. 
So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. I love this verse. The spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bear witness with your spirit that we are children of God, and if the children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Let's pray together. God, we love you. I thank you for this passage. There is so much richness in this text, Lord. There's so much that's here today, and I just pray with everything in me that we are able to look at this passage and you would unpack it before us, that we would understand if we've defined the relationship and we know that we are in Christ, there are three powerful truths that Paul lays out to the church in Rome, truths that we need to understand, truths that we need to celebrate, and truths that we need to long for. So God, just be with us today. It's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. May be seated. Now, as you look at this passage, there's three things I want you to notice. The first one's found in verse 12 and 13. Go back with me if you would. It says this. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will surely die. But if the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Here's the first thing Paul tells the church in Rome. We are debtors. If you're in Christ, we are debtors. All of us are debtors. In other words, Every single one of us are indebted to something, meaning there's something in your life that's going to have the greatest influence. There's something in your life that's going to have the greatest control. There's something in your life that you are obligated to. How many of you have a house payment in the room? Okay, some of you are like, I'm not paying. Well, they're going to come get it, right? So if you pay your house payment, are you obligated to make that payment? Come on, when you sign that note, were you saying, I'm committing every 30 days to pay this note. Did you make that obligation? And what happens if you don't make that payment? Do they control your life? Maybe not your life, but they can sure come take your home, right? And so, so the point is that he says, we're all debtors. Every single one of us are indebted to something. There's something that controls us, something that, that influences us. There's something we're obligated to. But you hear what he said here. He says, we are all debtors, but not to the flesh. In other words, we, we, are, we are indebted to something, but he says the thing you're not indebted to is the old flesh. You know what the flesh is, right? That old sinful desires that lead to ungodly behavior, ungodly, ungodly motives, ungodly affections. You're not indebted to that at all. The old flesh that you died to when you accepted Christ, you don't owe it anything. See, because we are in Christ, we're not obligated to live according to the flesh. Because we're in Christ, the flesh, those fleshly tendencies, have no authority or control over us. Well, you may say, well, Pastor Doug, well, wait a minute, you know, I still struggle. I do too. But I can tell you the influence we allow the flesh to have is something that we've allowed it to have, not because it has it over us anyway. We've opened the door to it. We allow it in there, but it has no authority over us anymore. See, because we are in Christ, we are not obligated to live according to the flesh. It has no control over us. And because we are in Christ and this whole notion of, of the living in the flesh, because we are in Christ, we no longer walk by the flesh. 
right? We no longer live our lives based on that. Did you hear what Paul said? That those who walk in the flesh, it leads to what? Death. He says, you'll surely die. Now, he's not talking about a physical death. What kind of death is he talking about? Spiritual death, right? He says, those of you that choose to reject Christ and to walk and live in the flesh and live according to the flesh, there's one end for you, death. And not just a physical death, a spiritual death. He says, but as followers of Jesus Christ, listen, we are all indebted. We all are let something control us, something influence us. We are obligated to something, but you're not obligated to the flesh. That old tendencies, those old fleshly desires, you're not obligated to live according to any of those things. Rather, what we're obligated to, he says, is to the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to verse 13, what he says. For if you live according to flesh, you will surely die. But if it's by the Spirit... You will put to death the deeds of the body. In other words, listen, you're not obligated to live according to the flesh. Hear me on this, church. But what you are obligated to do is to live according to the Spirit. If you are in Christ, it is our biblical responsibility to live according to the Spirit. To live our life in such a way that we are honoring and pleasing God by following the guidance, the direction, and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are not obligated to live according to the flesh, to fulfill all those fleshly desires. We are obligated to live according to the Spirit. To let the Holy Spirit who's in us guide us, direct us, teach us, and follow his leadership. And he said, basically what he's saying is, to live according to the Spirit means this. Allow the Holy Spirit to have the greatest influence in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to have the greatest element of control in your life. That's what it means to live according to the Spirit. That when I'm about to make a decision where I seek advice, where I seek wisdom, where I gain influence and control, is not from everybody else. It's from Christ in me, the Holy Spirit. Now, why would, why would Paul tell us that? Think about it for a moment. Isn't it the Holy Spirit that opened your eyes to the truth about Jesus? Isn't it the Holy Spirit who convicted us that we are sinners in need of a Savior? Isn't it the Holy Spirit who gave us eternal life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Isn't it the Holy Spirit that gives us the power, the strength, and the ability to deal with the sin that's in our lives? Yes, so we're called to live our life according to the Spirit. He gets my influence. He gets control of my life. My obligation is not to the flesh. It is to him and to follow him. You know, I used to have, there was an old preacher who used to say this. Salvation is free, but it costs you everything. You ever heard that one? That's what Paul's saying. Yes, you're free in Christ, but you're obligated to live a life according to the Spirit. Now, did you notice what he says there? If we live a life according to the Spirit, obviously he says you'll live. But you notice what he says there, that if we live a life according to the Spirit, he says you will put to death the deeds of the body. Part of living a life according to the Spirit is killing those old fleshly tendencies as they rise up. I don't know about you, but do you have old fleshly tendencies that try to influence you still today? Sure you do. Do you have old fleshly tendencies that try to control your life? Sure you do. So when lust rises up, you kill it. When greed rises up, we kill it. When rage rises up, we kill. Now, you and your own strength can't do it. That's why we need who? The Holy Spirit in us. And he says, when we follow and we follow the direction and we live according to the Spirit, where he has influence, where he has control, guess what our life looks like? Continually killing those old fleshly tendencies. Now, just a quick question. Are we doing that? When you look at your life, 
Are you live according to the flesh or are you living according to the spirit? Well, Doug, how do I know the difference? Well, let me tell you how you know the difference. When you look at the totality of your life, are you more driven by fulfilling the fleshly desires you have? Or are you more desired by letting the Holy Spirit lead, guide, and direct your life? That'll answer your question. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we are truly in Christ this morning, we are obligated not to the flesh. We are obligated to live according to the Spirit. If you believe that this morning, say amen. The second thing he says here, he goes on, not only are we debtors, but not to the flesh, but to the Spirit. He goes on and he says this in verse 14. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with the spirit that you are children of God, and of the children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Here's the second thing that Paul says, that the truth about being in Christ is, yes, we're debtors, but second of all, we are sons of God. Now, Translation, sons and daughters. We are children of God, right? But I love the word usage here because what he's saying is, listen, if you want to know that you belong to God, those that belong to God are those that have been led by the Spirit. Like I sometimes, I get chances to talk to people that really struggle with doubt. I mean, maybe it's some of you. Sometimes in their life where they're like, man, if I, if I really love Jesus, I wouldn't be doing this, and I struggle with doubt. I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. And really the simple answer is, has there been moments in your life where you've really been led by the Spirit? Because if the Spirit is leading you, that's evidence of being in Christ and not what? In the flesh. And he says, listen, you are sons of God. What does that mean to be sons of God? That means if we are in Christ, first and foremost, we belong to him. Is that good news this morning? We belong to him. And I love the idea that he calls us sons. This whole idea is the idea of sonship. And you know, it's one thing to be a follower of God. It's one thing to be a disciple of God. It's one thing to be a friend of God. But there's something way more intimate when he says, you're my son or you're my daughter. I mean, isn't there something more intimate when you go around people and you're like, hey, pal, hey, buddy, hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, family, hey, child. I mean, there's something way more intimate about the conversation that Paul wants the church around to know. Listen, he's not just your friend. He's not just someone that you follow, that you're a disciple of. You are his children. I don't know about you, but I love my kids. Anybody else love your kids? That was not a good answer. Anybody else love your kids? Okay, I love my kids, and I love your kids, but I love my kids more. Because listen, I can hang out with all your kids, and I love them, but there's something different when my boys come up and say, hey, Dad, and your kid comes and say, hey, Pastor Doug. There's an intimacy with my kids I don't have with yours. And Paul says, listen, I want you to know something, that if you are in Christ, yes, we're indebtors, we're debt and debt to obligate to live according to the Spirit, but I want you to know that we are sons and daughters of God that we belong to him. But also what that means to be sons of God is that not only we belong to him, that we have been adopted by him. I want you to pick up on what he said here. I love this. This is maybe one of the most profound things you're going to hear this morning. He says this in verse uh, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. 
In other words, when you accepted Christ, God did not give you a spirit, I feel like you were in slavery that would take you back to fear. In other words, God didn't give you a spirit where you looked at him as the taskmaster driving your life, as a slave driver driving your life. No, no, no. He gave you the spirit of adoption so that you could see him not as a taskmaster, but you could see him as a loving, heavenly father. That's what it means. Hey, not only are you my sons and daughters, but I've adopted you. And if we are sons and daughters, we need to understand, if we are in Christ this morning, if we are sons and daughters, we have been adopted into the family of God. Now, adoption, to me, is one of the most incredible things we get to see in our world today. There's some beautiful imagery with adoption. But let me just talk a little bit about adoption. Maybe you've not thought about this. A few things I want you to think about. First of all, adoption is an intentional decision, right? Well, if you were to go adopt somebody, is, are you making an intentional decision to adopt them? Not a rhetorical question. Are you? Yes. yes. You know, I was talking to somebody best a couple weeks ago, and they just jokingly made the comment, which I totally disagree with. They jokingly made a comment, yeah, when you have your own kids, you're kind of stuck with what you get. But when you adopt, you get to go, I choose you, Right? I got great kids, so I don't think that. But anyway, the point is, when you adopt, there's a moment going, okay, I know all your failures, I know all your struggles, I know all your medical issues, I know everything going on with you, and I choose you. That's awesome. Also, when someone is adopted, they are severing their old family ties, and now they're part of a new family. And when someone's adopted, they are permanently placed into that new family. Permanently. When they carry that name, now that name adoption now means you're part of us, that you're secure, that you're never not going to be part of us. And guess what? When you adopt a child, when a child has been adopted, that means they have full access and full affection of the new mommy and daddy. But also when you're adopted, that means you receive the same full benefits as if you were a biological Child, did you know that about adoption? And when I read this and say that we have been adopted by God, those same truths are true for you and I. Does God know your failures? Yes. Does God know your struggles? Yes. Does God know all the inadequacies that you bring to the table? Yes. But God has still said, I choose you. I want you. I know you're jacked up, but so is everybody else. I know you're messed up. I know you've got hurts. I know you've got struggles. I know you've got some baggage but I still want you. And when we said yes to Christ, we severed with the old family called the flesh, and now we have a relationship with Christ. And when we said yes to Christ, we permanently became a part of the adopted family of God, and our salvation is secure. But also, when we said yes to Christ, we gain full access and affection of our Heavenly Father that we could cry out, as Paul said, and cry out to Him and call Him Abba, Father, which translates what? Daddy. Did you know that? And also, best part, one of the best parts, because we're adopted in the family of God, we now have the same benefits as Jesus himself. See, I want you to know this morning, 
Because some of you this morning, I know you. I know your stories. I know where you've been. Some of you are struggling with identity. Some of you are struggling with self-worth. Some of you are struggling with confidence. But I want you to know that God of all eternity knows all your junk plus more than you even know. And he says, I still choose you. Through the love of my son, I still want you to be one of my children. And if you will say yes to me, I will bring you into my family. I'll fix you up. I'll clean you up. I'll redirect you. But I want you to know with your warts and all, I want you. Now, I'm just telling you, for some of you, you need to feel loved this morning. You need to realize that your Heavenly Father knows all your nonsense, all your junk, and He still desperately loves you. He still loves you. He wants to bring you into the family. He gives you full access to Him, and one day you have full benefits like Jesus Himself has. Now, as a result of that, Paul says something a little bit more. Look what he goes on to say. He says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen to this. And if children then heirs, you might want to underline this in your Bible, heirs of God, underline that, and fellow heirs with Christ. He says, because you're adopted, you are heirs of God and you're heirs with Christ. Two prepositional words. Of God means this. God is not only the source of our inheritance, those one who gives it, but he is our inheritance. Did you hear me on that? God is not only the giver of our inheritance, he is our inheritance. The fact that one day we get to spend all eternity with him, he is our inheritance. Our, we are heirs of God. He's the source of it, and he is our inheritance. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine the one day that I get to spend all eternity with the Lord. Do you? Isn't that incredible? But he says you're also your heirs with Christ. Heirs of God because he's the source, but he's also, he is your inheritance, but your, your inheritance is with Christ, meaning that we get the very same thing that Jesus gets. We get exactly what Jesus inherits. Now, if Ozzy and I and Tom were to sit down and say, listen, we all inherited this chocolate pie, because I love chocolate pie. I don't know if you all love chocolate pie, but I love chocolate pie. By the way, just in case you want to know, that, I love chocolate pie with graham cracker crust. Just letting you know. Anyway, I love chocolate pie. And so if we inherited this chocolate pie, what would we do? We'd cut it into thirds, right? Well, I might take a little bit more. But anyway, we cut it in thirds and we would share it, right? Equally. That's not what it means that we are joint heirs with Christ. We don't equally portion out Jesus' inheritance that we get a third. and some, I mean, No, no. We get full benefits that Jesus gets. So everything he gets, guess what? We get. In fact, Scripture says that one day in the millennial reign of Christ, we will reign and rule with him. So his benefits are our benefits. If I, I think John MacArthur said it best. Everything that Jesus received and receives by divine right, we receive by divine grace. Jesus earned it and deserves it. We get it because of God's love for us, right? And so I want you to know this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in Christ, we are debtors. We are indebted and we're obligated to let the influence and the control of our life be led by the Holy Spirit. We also are sons and daughters of God. We have been adopted in the family of God. But there's one more thing I want you to notice. It's the very end of verse 17. He says this, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The third thing you need to know as a follower of Christ, if you're in Christ, is that one day we will be glorified with him. One day. Glorified with Christ. 
Now, he says here, provided we suffer with him, we will be glorified. Now, I want you to know something real quickly. That word provided in the Greek language should actually be translated since. So if you read it differently, it should be translated since we have suffered with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Not provided, because provided actually means that suffering is a condition of sonship, but suffering is not a condition of sonship. Suffering is a consequence of being a child of God. Right? If you're truly a child of God, will you suffer in this world? Yes. yes. Now, it's not conditional. I mean, you don't suffer, and because you suffered, oh, they're going to be... No, no, no. We suffer because we do belong to Christ. In fact, Paul says it differently in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. If we live for Christ, we will suffer mockery, ridicule, and persecution. But since we suffer with Christ, also know this believer, one day you will be glorified with him too. That one day you will be transformed and one day you will share in the eternal destiny of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our story is the same as his story. Now this morning, as we come to this text, as we come to this passage, I think it's crucial for us as believers, okay, I've defined the relationship. I know if I'm in the flesh, not a Christian, or if I'm in Christ. But if you're in Christ, hear me on this. We see some really powerful challenges here. We see some really powerful things that we should be celebrating. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. One thing that I struggle with as a believer is seeing other people who say they're a believer, but they have no joy. They have no passion. They have no enthusiasm. They have no zest for how to live a life to the Lord. It's like gloom, despair. I mean, they are just down. I mean, I get we go through moments of difficulty and depression. and I get that, but I mean, that's how they live their life. Listen, this message is a message of encouragement to the church in Rome. Listen, if you're in Christ, the old flesh, you're not obligated to live that way. Your obligation is let the Holy Spirit reign and rule in your life. Let him guide you. Let him direct you. Let him lead you. And oh, by the way, if you're in Christ, you're more than just my friend. You're more than just my disciple. You're more than just my follower. You are my children. You're my sons and my daughters. I have adopted you into my family. I chose you. I gave you a new name. I brought you in. Your salvation is secure. You have full access to me as your heavenly father and Abba father and your daddy. And one day you will receive full benefits as if you're my only son or daughter, just like Jesus gets. And oh, by the way, one day when you leave this world, you're going to be glorified with him. You're going to reign and rule with him. You're going to be transformed, and you'll receive the inheritance that Jesus himself receives. So I want to ask you this morning, if you're in Christ, do you spend time in your life when the old fleshly tendencies creep their way up? Do you spend time killing those fleshly tendencies? Do you spend time praying, saying, Holy Spirit, would you help me navigate this and deal with these fleshly tendencies that are taking me away in my faith in Christ? If you're in Christ this morning, are you killing those things like Paul says that we should be doing? If you're in Christ this morning, are you celebrating the fact that you have been adopted into the family of God? 
that he loves you, he wants you, he desires you, and any feeling of, un, un, of lack of value or lack of worth that you have needs to go out the door because he said right here, you matter to him. And one day, as believers, will you long to be with him? See, here's what I believe about my life, and I hope it's true about your life. The more I long for the moment Jesus comes, now listen, there's a difference in longing that Jesus comes back just to get out of this world we live in, right? Oh, you know, sometimes you hear people say, come, Lord Jesus, come. What are they saying? The world is so bad, just hurry up and come, Jesus. No, no, no. I'm talking about the kind of longing that I so desperately want to be with you that it creates an urgency of how I live my life right now. Because if I want to be with you and I get to experience this, I sure want somebody else to experience it too. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if you're in Christ, I want to give you three challenges this morning. Here's the first one. Would you kill some of those fleshly tendencies? Would you ask the Holy Spirit? You know what they are. As I mentioned them, you could just rattle off whatever it is. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to kill those things? This morning, if you're struggling with identity, if you're struggling with value or worth, would you, ask, would you take this challenge and ask the Holy Spirit to remind you the beautiful nature that you've been adopted as a child of God and all that that entails? And would you, would you take the challenge to get in your word and be reminded of it so you can build value and worth in your life? And then last of all, if you're in Christ, would you take this challenge to actually long for the day that he comes back and let that longing lead to urgency? And then this morning, listen to me, this morning, maybe some of you here today go, okay, I'm not in Christ. I've never accepted Christ. Doug, I'm what you would call in the flesh based on how you described it. Here's where that leads. Paul says it leads to what? Death. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if that's you, would you choose life this morning? How do I do that, Doug? You just simply choose it by accepting Jesus as your Savior, by acknowledging you're a sinner, by saying, Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and be the boss and the master of my life? So wherever you find yourself this morning, however the Lord has spoken to you, would you be faithful to respond to his word? Let's all stand together. Would everybody stand with me? Everybody stand, every head bowed, and every eye closed. And just know this morning, in just a moment, we're going to sing. And this morning as we sing, if you need to come to this altar and just pray and say, Lord Jesus, I've got some fleshly things I need to kill. I need your strength. I need your help. I need your guidance. Or maybe you've just been feeling like no value and no worth and no purpose. And today you've been reminded that you are an adopted child of God and you do matter. And maybe you just want to come get on your face toward God and thank him for loving you. Thank you for accepting you despite your flaws, despite your failures. And just thank him. Or maybe this morning as we sing, you just want to spend some time pondering what it's going to be like one day. That there will be a day when we see him and we'll be like him. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a difficult spot and you just need prayer. Jason and Kelly are off to your right and Pat and Willie are off to your left behind the kind of the curtain there. You just need somebody to pray for you. Wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you need to accept Christ or you need to, to, to make a commitment to the Lord, would you be faithful to respond as the Lord would lead you? God, I love you. I thank you for your word. God, I, I hope we're jazzed up this morning that we've been adopted. That we're jazzed up this morning that, that like even human adoption, that who, a mom and dad can go in and see all the medical issues of a potential child. They can see all the things that are going on, but they still say, I want them. I desire them. I want them to be part of my family. God, that's what you've done with us. We are broken. We were sinful. We were rebellious. 
We were unfaithful. And yet you still said through your son, I want them. I choose them. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you that adoption is not just about you taking us in and accepting us, but it's also about you giving us full access to you, that we have the right to not just call you our Savior, our Lord, our Creator, but we can call you Abba, Father, Daddy. And God, I know there's some people here today that just need a heavenly daddy. They need your heavenly arms to wrap around them and let them know that you love them. Let them know that you care about them and let them know that their heavenly father is in control and he's got it. So God, would you just be with us this morning? However we need to respond, whether it's coming to the altar to pray, seeking prayer from others, or just singing and declaring the truth this morning about our heart belonging to you. God, will we just be faithful to respond? We love you, Lord. And it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. As the Lord leads you, just follow him. The altar's open. They're ready to pray. Maybe you just need to sit down and just do business with God. Whatever it is, just be faithful to move the way the Lord is leading you as we continue to worship.